This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hello, Productivity Overachievers. This is Ari Mizell. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I got to have coffee with Laura from the website 50by25.com. She wrote a guest post for the blog a few days back. Laura is the youngest woman to ever run all 50 state marathons, uh, and she did it by the age of 25. Now, one marathon is impressive, but 50 is mind-boggling, and she did it in less than two years, which is amazing in itself, but what's pretty mind-boggling is that she did this while having a full-time job as a management consultant, traveling all the time, and managing to maintain a social life and enjoy herself. Uh, Most people would consider a marathon a little bit torturous, but Laura thinks it's fun. So it was really cool catching up with her and hearing how she truly finds a balance between uh, work and life and play and work, to be more specific. She basically decided that uh, while it was a goal of hers to do all 50 state marathons, it was also a goal of hers to enjoy her life. So She's gotten comments from people that she could have trained harder and maybe run faster or you know, gotten better times or what's the next thing she's going to do. But those weren't her goals. Her goal was to do something amazing while living her life. So uh, another shout out to Laura for doing this amazing feat. And if you haven't read it yet, please check out her guest post on the blog that went up about a week ago. I'm really excited about the interview that I have today, which is with uh, Jessica Richmond of Ubiome, uh, an Indiegogo campaign that's currently uh, blowing away its targets. It's got almost three times the amount of funding that, it, that they're looking for, and they just extended the campaign for another 18 days. So I hope you enjoy the interview with Jessica. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Jessica Richmond of UBiome. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Artie. Good to talk with you. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so first of all, can you start us off and tell everybody what UBiome is? Sure. So UBiome is a citizen science platform for learning about the microbiome. So what we do is we sequence the human microbiome. Um, which are, so first of all, I should back up and say the microbiome are all the bacteria that live on all of us. There are um, uh, nine, ten times as many bacteria in our bo- bacterial cells in our bodies as there are human cells. So we are covered in bacterial cells, and these bacteria are indicators of many things about our health. So what Ubiome does is it lets you submit samples and sequence those, sequence the bacteria so you can see what's on and in your body and then to ask and answer questions about the about the data so you can learn more about your health. 
And um, one of the things that is so innovative, well, I should point out to everyone that uh, currently Ubiome is doing an Indiegogo campaign to bring what has previously been a very uh, expensive and limited availability kind of offering to the masses, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is cutting-edge science that comes out of the microbiome lab at uh, UCSF, University of California, San Francisco. And until we launched this project, there was no way for the average person or even the average doctor or nutritionist or gastroenterologist to have access to these kind of tests because they were mostly used for research science. So this is a way for the public to get access directly to really cutting-edge science for the first time. So I guess I should give our Indiegogo URL, which is uh, indiegogo.com slash ubiome, U-B-I-O-M-E. Now, what, I mean, since, since this information has not really been previously that accessible, I'm assuming that you're going to greatly benefit from having a lot of people submitting a lot of data at the same time. Yeah, so there's there's a few things about that. I think the first one is that, yes, we'd love to put together the biggest, largest microbiome database in the world, and that would be amazing. And the more people we have, the more we can tell about things that are perhaps more rare in the population or things that specific cohorts are interested in. I'm sure we'll get into this later talking about specific um, gut disorders that if people that have them, you know, all, all contribute to the project, and then we can sort of ask specific questions that help us pinpoint some things about the specific conditions that can make a big difference. But I do want to say that there are already many studies done about the human microbiome. So it hasn't been accessible to the general public, but the uh, NIH did a five-year, $173 million human microbiome project to look at the microbiomes of healthy individuals. So it's very much mainstream science. There have been hundreds of studies about the microbiome and, and just about everything, the microbiome and, you know, so the obvious diabetes, allergies, um, bowel conditions of various kinds, but also anxiety, depression, autism, antibiotics, prenatal, you know, uh, um, neonatal development, all these sorts of things. So and you should, that was going to be my next question, actually, is what kind of information you're going to be able to talk from this stuff. But um, So that was a really good list, uh, and, the you know, the autism and anxiety is an interesting one because of the, the the pretty much proven concept of the gut-brain uh, connection. Um, but what about things like environmental factors or um, – you mentioned allergies, but I'm, I'm interested about you know, environmental factors. Like, you know, you're not going to do a heavy metal test necessarily like you would do with your blood – but are you going to get that kind of information? Well, what we're getting in with the kind of sequencing we're doing is, a, is sort of a catalog of the microbes that are in your gut or a catalog of the bacteria that are in your gut. We're not going to catch you know, worms, protozoa, other things that don't use a specific region of uh, bacterial DNA that we're going to be using. So um, we And we won't be testing for heavy metals or you know all sorts of other things, but one, one thing that would be really interesting in the sort of age of quantified self and personalized medicine and big data is to combine what we're doing with personal genomics, something like 23andMe, with uh, you know blood tests, with medical records, with also you know quantified self tracking of your diet, and there's so many different things that you can look at that will you know, add to this, this microbiome uh, profile, which is only one piece of a huge set of data about an individual that might be the key to unlocking certain really complicated disorders that are hard to tease out the causality about. Okay, so now, and, and quantified self is obviously something that's um, particularly interesting to me, having 
dealt with Crohn's disease and using Quantify Salt to overcome it. Um, but just the word tracking suggests, uh, you know, some some time aspect to it. So, you know, like with urine, you can tell things in the last 24 hours pretty much. And, you know, with hair, you can go back months. What yeah. what time window are we going to see with uh, the the really so there have been studies done at a variety of different time points depending what application they were looking at. So, for example, there were some interesting studies with antibiotics where they looked at, you know, you take antibiotics, you know, before, after you've taken them, a month after, six months after, even two years after, and showed a difference up to two years later in the gut of someone that had taken antibiotics. But then there will be another study that's looking at something entirely different that will use a different time period. So I think it really depends on the specific application. And um, that's one of the things we hope to do is to be able to sequence people over time and see see what it what is the right time period for people to test their microbiome under particular circumstances. Okay, yeah, that's so that's interesting, you know, because for instance, when you do uh, a blood test, you know, you're supposed to fast for 12 hours, for instance. So right. it'd definitely be interesting to see what that baseline becomes for testing for your microbiome, which leads to my next question, which are. Yeah. What are the sites of of uh, specimens? Oh yeah, sure. So we um, so we sample five sites out of the six from the Human Microbiome Project: you know, the gut, um, nose, mouth, ear, um, and genitals. I'm sure I've got that's five. And um, the gut people, a lot of people ask us like, what exactly is the gut site? And the gut site is poop. Yes. So what you'll be doing is um, is sampling poop. So. Oh, sorry, you left it at that. Okay, I thought you were going Sorry, sorry there was a second there where um, it was a little hard to hear. Can you hear me okay in here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, so the, so the five, I'll just start again, I guess. So the five sites are the gut, nose, mouth, ears, and genitals, which I guess is six from male and female. And so a lot of people ask what the gut site is, and the gut site is poop. So you take a little bit, take take our uh, our swab, the swabbing kit that we send to you, and we put, and you swab a bit onto the, from the toilet paper, and then you send it into us. So even though it's poop, it's not as gross. It's not gross. It's not that invasive. It's definitely something that uh, anyone can do, and won't be terribly grossed out to do. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, at least, but we hope not. The, uh, the, the quote-unquote barrier to entry obviously has to be as low as possible. <laughs> um, now, you know, without, yeah. without, go, without going There's into... There's no the, entry, basically. Right, <laughs> so exactly. There's no barrier. <laughs> well, without, without going into too much detail, uh, and, you know, we just sort of touched on this about the baseline, but is the result that you get going to be affected by possibly by the meal that that person had had before they they did the sample. For instance, yeah, we, if, they have, if they have something very spicy and, you know, it kills some of the bacteria. Maybe. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting question. So we um, are extending an extensive health survey with the, sam- with the sampling kit, and it's going to have questions in it about your health history, the self-reports of, you know, medical conditions you've been diagnosed with. And we'll also ask what kind of diet you're on. We may ask you to do some food tracking right before the uh, sample. Um, and uh, that way we'll, we do want to know about things like that, especially if there are interesting correlations between people who, for example, have a certain microbiome profile and they eat they ate wheat in the past 24 hours and here's, you know, here's what their microbiome looks like. There could be some sort, and they have some medical condition. Those three things correlated could be very interesting. So uh, now 
what kind of since this is, this is going kind to of be available to the masses, and you know some people are citizen scientists, and some people maybe just think it's kind of cool. What kind of data are people going to get? What, what information they be provided with, and then sort of are there actionable steps that there might that you might recommend, or that they'll have to figure out at some point? Oh, you mean in terms of like giving them advice, or giving people advice afterwards, or? Well, I mean, for instance, if you if someone in your report saying, you know, you have a high level of this particular bacteria, bacteria, and uh, you know, the recommendation would be to take this probiotic or you know something along those lines. Right. So, so a few things on that. So the first thing is, I, I we think of everyone as a citizen scientist. We don't want this to be the kind of thing where only you know you have to be a certain special kind of person to be able to be a citizen scientist. You know, anyone who's interested in their health who thinks about thinks about their body, thinks about science, and wants to ask and answer questions as a citizen scientist. So we definitely want to include everyone, and we want not just people's samples and not just people's money, but we want their thoughts about questions they have about the microbiome, how to ask, what questions they want answered, how to think about the data. We definitely want people to be involved more than just, like, here's a sample, here's some money, like, leave me alone after that. Um, but the other the other thing is about actionable advice. This is not, I want to make very clear, this is not an FDA-approved diagnostic test. This is not, you know, we can't make treatment recommendations. This is more very informational, and that's sort of a regulatory line to walk, and it's also a practical line because microbiome science is really new, and we don't want to make claims that are not, that we don't have any basis for. But what we will be saying is we're going to say, so here's what's in your gut. Here, those, here they here they are. Here's how you correlate with other people in our sample, and this is what you're saying earlier about having as big a sample as possible. You know, the more people that are in it, the the more meaningful that is. And then here's how you correlate with existing studies about the microbiome. So we put those uh, three things together, and we're giving people a lot of information that they can then think about. They can give to their health care professional, they can, you know, sort of adjust their own diet and exercise and probiotics and all those sorts of things. But at this early stage with this pilot, we can't say things like, you know, you should clearly do this because we know everything about you. <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. I mean, so that, I mean, it definitely is actual in some ways, and, and but um, is it going to require you getting a lot of the data to find out sort of reference values or, I mean, are there really, are there even reference values for particular? Sure. Um, um, so that's why we're, we're we're building upon what was done by the Human Microbiome Project, which was really a stunning achievement. I mean, it was a huge project to look at the microbial diversity and healthy individuals and to provide reference values for that. That's why they did it, and that's why they spent so much money on it, and they just, they sort of pioneered and laid the groundwork for an entire scientific field by doing that. So, the Human Microbiome Project um, established reference values for certain things, and that's where we're building upon their techniques to make sure that we can use, we can build on that and use that data to figure out, to not only larger set data sets, but make sure we're doing it correctly. Okay. So, I mean, this is just, I, I'm, I'm a backer, obviously, for this campaign, and I cannot wait to get my kit. Yeah, it's thank probably you. Gonna be able well, it's probably going to be one of the, the least invasive tests that I've had to go through on myself. So, <laughs> um, what what kind of different information are you going to get from those five different sites? I'm sorry, what was the sixth that you don't include? Um, the sixth was the skin, surface of the skin because okay. there's a lot of factors that could affect that, and we want to make sure people sample in the same place every time. And we didn't, I don't know, we, we didn't think it would be as valuable as the other ones. So we wanted to make sure we had the 
we have the, the ones that we thought we could control the best, given that we're opening this up to the public. Uh, okay. Well, that's, I mean... That's... Control the sampling technique, you know, to make sure everyone's doing it the same way. Right. So, and then but the other, so now the other question there was, what, uh, what is the information from the five different sites extremely different, or does the does difference in them tell you something in itself, or how does that quite work? So that's, an inter that's a really interesting question. So if you think about it, we're, if you think of ourselves as a habitat for other creatures to live in, so like we're a tree that birds live in and vines grow on and moss grows on the base of it, and we're just sort of this, this environment that other things live in. And if you think about how different it would be to be a bacteria that lives on your nostrils versus a bacteria that lives up your nose. Like those are two very different places. Like one is more moist and one is more, you know, has breeze going through it. And just sort of think about it as like if you were a bacteria, what kind of bacteria would you have to be to live in different places? So if you think about the five sampling sites, they're all very different from each other. So they're not, I mean, it's an interesting question. I don't actually know about correlations between the different sites. I haven't. That might just be my not having read those particular studies. I, I've read specific studies about each of the sites, but not enough cross-referencing, and that might just be my ignorance. I'm not the scientist on the team. But there are, um, uh, but I do know that there, are, there have been studies done about all the, independently about each of the five sites that um, relates to, you know, different types of microbiomes in different places. Um, it would be an interesting question how they correlate to each other. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just I'd just be curious because you know, for instance, um, if they'll if a blood test shows that there are liver cells in a lymph node somewhere, you know, it may be a suggestion that there's cirrhosis that's causing cells to swell right. off. So if you find nasal bacteria somewhere where it shouldn't be, maybe you know, that that would that'd be really interesting oh, to find out about that. It's interesting you say that. So there's a few things that are kind of interesting about that. One is. Um, there was some study, I, I wish I had the citation like at the top of my head, but uh, one of my co-founders had told me that there's a study where like a certain subset of people that had their oral microbiome samples had fecal microbiome patterns in their mouth. <laughs> and we know exactly what that means. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why is that there? But um, so that could be something very indicative. Another one that I happen to know of is I know that uh, one of the uh, gas indicators of gastric cancer is if you have H. pylori, which is normally in the stomach, in the bowel microbiome, which kind of makes sense in some way, and that, you know, there's sort of a downstream effect from the stomach. But, um, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I wonder if, you know, the interaction between the nose and the mouth would be pretty obvious. I don't know. There may be some of the things we'll be able to find out. Well, suffice to say, I cannot wait to see the results that you guys get from all this data. Um, so yeah. the, the the last question I want to ask you, which is what I my final question to every um, person I interview for the show, is what are your top three personal productivity tips? Oh, this is such a good question. So something that has changed my life recently, and I mentioned this in another interview somewhere, and I've just like been thinking about it ever since, but it's noise-canceling headphones, the big, clunky, over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones. I resisted buying them because they're expensive, and I thought they were kind of dorky, but they've changed my life. I can focus so much better while working in all sorts of different environments, and it's really, really improved my productivity a lot. So if you're hesitant to spend, like, the money and carry around this huge set of headphones with you, like, definitely give it a shot. It really, really changed things for me, um, I guess. Second thing is I really like 
uh, I don't know if you've ever read Cal Newport's blog. He was a grad student and postdoc at MIT, and he is now at uh, John Hopkins, I think. He's a computer science professor somewhere in the in the D.C. area, and he or D.C. or Maryland area. And he has this concept of adventure studying, where you go off to someplace interesting and study. And I like to do that with working. So if you go to a cafe or you go to a uh, you know, a library or just somewhere interesting. It's not your normal place to work. I find that really, like, uh, helps you be a little bit more creative. So I like that. And, oh, and the third one is something I I just started doing after this campaign because we've got so much email to keep track of, and it's uh, Boomerang, which is an app. It's a plug-in on Firefox and Chrome for managing your email, and it'll basically send an email back to you in a couple of days if you if no one's answered it yet. And that's helped so much because <laughs> that way you don't just send off an email and like try to remember, oh, wait, did that guy ever get back to me or did I ever get back to them? And it just sort of solved it wrong because they pop back up in your inbox again. So those three things have really, uh, really made me much more productive. Well, those are awesome. I love, I always love asking that to people because they, I get people from different walks of life and the things that they use to be more productive are just always fascinating to me. So They're all totally different, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very different. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for your time talking about this awesome project. Um, yeah, so again, the, the, the URL for everybody is indiegogo.com slash ubiome, and that's U-B-I-O-M-E, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Okay, great. Thanks, Jessica.